So I'm Writing a Novel is the show where you join me, Oliver Brackenbury, on the journey of writing my next novel, from first ideas all the way to publication and promotion. In this one-man reality show, I'll share with you my ever-evolving thoughts and feelings on how I write, being a writer, and everything that entails at each stage of the process. I'll also answer listener questions and, sometimes, interview special guests. If you're the kind of person who likes to learn how things are made and get to know the people making them, then this is the show for you. This episode's topic is anxiety and writing, but I guess you know that if you've downloaded this, because, yeah, it's funny thing about podcasting, eh? You want to be like this presenter and be like, oh, the topic is blah, but you've seen the topic. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, the topic is anxiety. <laughs> the topic is anxiety and writing. This is something I've wanted to cover on the show since the very beginning, but the journey to my covering it didn't really begin until a message I received in early November of 2021. It was from Mike Harrington, a member of the Whetstone SNS Discord community tavern thing, you know, that I've mentioned on here a lot of times, fun online community that I really like. And it reads as follows. I got Mike's permission, don't worry. Hey Oliver, I just listened to the first episode of So I'm Writing a Novel. I so enjoyed your vulnerability, candidness, and the fact that you sounded like Ira Glass. So I'm Writing a Novel is like this Canadian novel life. I'm glad I found it. Having recently finally had enough of telling myself for 30 years that I was going to write, I finally started to really try. Though I've been dancing around it with teaching and writing courses, etc., it's scary AF, and I think I'm horrible and I'm disappointed that at 52, I'm trying to climb a huge mountain. But I just have to try and see if there is a voice in there. And I always return to my first love. Fantasy, sword and sorcery, the 80s D&D boom, etc. Don't know why I'm telling you this. Probably because you opened yourself up. Thanks for that. I appreciate your posts on Whetstone and in the Goodreads group. I replied, Hi Mike. Right now I am fat and happy thanks to a big burrito. But what really makes me glad is reading such a kind, thoughtful message as what you've just sent me. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast. I hope you continue to enjoy it. Without turning into a public therapy session, I am trying to really be open, if only because I've become so very tired of the pressure to appear smiley and perfect at all times. A cliche of the film and TV industry, as well as social media in general, I guess. And also, to help people who feel similarly not feel isolated. That this is connected with you really validates the risk of opening myself up, which is greatly appreciated. As for starting the mountain climb at 52, I hear you. My dad is 75. He finished traditional schooling at 14 before going into a goldsmithing apprenticeship program and only really read magazines for most of the time I've known him. But a few years ago, he decided he wanted to write a book about his years learning the trade when he was younger in London, England, and I've been helping him, even if he never finishes it. When I think of the joy he's taken out of learning this new-to-him skill, well, I know it's a real cliché online. The so-and-so famous author only started writing at X years old, and they created amazing book we all know thing. I can't promise you'll become one of those people. But if you're kind to yourself, take your time and set modest goals to start. Then I can't imagine you have anything to lose. At the very least, you'll do it for a bit, realize it's not actually something you like, and then you know. Or you'll find your way to the joys of learning new techniques, finding new ways to appreciate stories you've loved in the past, and so on. You really can't lose, man. Good luck. If you ever want to, feel free to shoot me a question, any question at all, and I'll uh, write a question and I'll answer on the show to the best of my ability. Yeah. 
So yeah, I thought I'd just read my reply because it gets across how I felt about the message and has some stuff in there that maybe other people would appreciate hearing related to their own endeavors. Point is, uh, Mike actually did submit a question, by the way. You can hear it in episode 28, Kinship in Coltoom. But yeah, so fast forward to late March of 2022, and Mike asked me if I ever wanted to talk about writing anxiety on the show. And I was like, yeah, since I launched the show, but I couldn't figure out how to talk to someone whose anxiety prevented them from writing, no matter how nice I was about it, without it coming off kind of patronizing and also a bummer, you know, like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) But Mike, you see, solved that issue for me by being a guy with a lot of experience feeling anxious around his writing, who recently overcame that and made his first ever writing submission. Hell yeah! He wrote a sword and sorcery short story called The Red Hand, and sent it into Whetstone Magazine. So I asked him if he'd be up for discussing his journey with anxiety and writing on the show. He said yes. Now you're going to listen to our discussion. True story. To be clear, we're not here to provide remedies for all that could ever possibly ail you when you try to write. However, I thought it might help some folk feel seen, hearing Mike's story, and maybe even a little inspired. It could also be quite interesting, I think, for people who don't write because anxiety, you know, it uh, it exists in other parts of life. <laughs> Whether you have no interest in writing or are a writing god with a hundred published novels and just the most amazing genitals, I hope you take some pleasure from the following. And here I am with Mike. Hey, Mike. Hey, Oliver. Nice to have you here. Nice to have a chat with you. We just had like a nice long chat before starting this because we've been, you know, messaging and stuff back and forth on Discord. We've been two little internet avatars and now... Now we are human beings, finally. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's good to catch up, yeah. So, you know, the show, as ever, I'm just going to get into it. First question. Do you remember when you first decided creative writing was important to you beyond, you know, a school assignment or something? Like, when you're like, wait, this is something that really matters to me. Yeah, that's a, a an excellent question. And thinking about it, it really goes back to elementary school. Really back to when I started playing Dungeons and Dragons back then. I'm going to date myself 77, maybe. Oh, cool. So, yeah, that was like AD&D first edition. Oh, basic. We're, you know, pre-Redbox, pardon me. (laughs) Yeah, pre-Redbox. I actually can remember having was blue, I think, right? Something like that. Way back when my dad was... He worked in the toy industry and I think he must have gotten a hold of it and, and given it to me. So yeah, back, back in those days when I had that and probably got it before everybody else because of my dad being in the, the toy industry and being a game master and reading a lot of things like, I think I started out with, with Tolkien because I can remember reading, reading that and definitely uh, Lloyd Alexander's, um, was it the, the Chronicles? The Prydain series. Yeah, Prydain, yeah. And reading, having box set of the, uh, of that, thinking about uh, writing and doing that sort of thing back back as far as is that. So probably fifth, sixth grade, something. You know, okay. back back and when I was a little bit younger. Yeah, when we were chatting before uh, we started, you mentioned that like you know it was definitely part of it was um, teachers or parents perhaps telling you like, oh, you're creative, like you got big ideas, man. I really felt that because. You know, the, the, the takeaway here is never encourage your child <laughs> unless you are ready to uh, have to deal with them uh, wanting to be a writer. Um, but 
but yeah, like with you, I, I think it's fair to say, yeah. right? Like, I'm guessing from my own experiences, that was also a part of it, right? You're you're told like, hey, you're good because you have ideas and you tell stories, right? Do you think maybe that also it was like the Freudian base level, maybe as well, of, of this being important to you? Yeah, I think I think you're spot on. I mean, there's one instance, and I totally remember this, and I will probably remember it for the rest of my life. Uh, I was in middle school, so I remember. We were asked to write an assignment and I would take assignments like that we were given to, to write and I would just do something crazy on it. And I don't remember exactly what the assignment was, but I probably went off on a tangent and created some kind of fantasy thing from it. And I, I think we were asked to read it and I read it during the class and some of the kids were probably like, as they do in middle school, being yeah, jerks. Being <laughs> yeah, you know, to, you know, packing order. And I remember the, and I could, I can see her perfectly in my mind, but I can't remember her name, but she said, you know, don't make fun of him. He's got a gift. And I'll always, mm -hmm. always remember that. Now, the problem is with that is it, it's also sort of like the standard that gets held up. And I think it's, it's moved into some of the reasons why I had anxiety and, and a problem because I, on the one hand, I was told that, you know, you've got something. And on the other hand, that's a, a, a standard of perfection that I don't know if I really ever could get to because everything had to be perfect everything had to be the world ending piece of work that I, I i put out you've got something means maybe you've got something to lose you've got something to live up to yeah i've got something to lose got something to to live up to and i i, I darn well better, oh better do it um okay uh well i think we've uh, I've stepped on my own question a little bit here. So, hey, now who's making mistakes? <laughs> but uh, my, my second question here was going to be, you know, was there something you found you got out of it, either the doing or even just the thinking about doing out of it? Like, I'm guessing some degree of pleasure, uh, uh, some degree of satisfaction. Yeah. And that's a multi-part answer to that question. So on a, a, a level of just wanting to connect with people and get praise from people, and this actually goes back to me thinking about you know the kind of some of the, the childhood trauma that I that I had and wanting to have connection and validation and 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 just somebody mm. caring for me you know so I think some of the writing in some of the the storytelling and in the praise I got from that was hey look at me and I'm, I'm and when I say look at me I'm talking about this little boy that's inside of my mm. adult body look at me you know tell me i'm okay tell me i'm, I'm good and tell me that, that that what i'm doing means something so there's part of that and that's come from me just pulling off layers and layers of trauma and life and all that kind of stuff then there's, there's the other thing uh, a second thing that when and i found this this is in nonfiction. when i'm writing something and it's really good and, and we were talking about a book called several short stories or short sentences mm -hmm. about writing when and he, he mentions in that book flow when i'm writing really well i get into a state of flow things disappear and it becomes really about what i'm imagining and seeing in my mind and that place that place where i'm in there and if it could be nonfiction, it could be a, a tech article i could be writing that place it, it just it makes me feel peaceful and I'm, I'm into it and i feel like it there's something better coming out of me and that's very addictive there. And then the it kind of related to that as well is when I'm doing something like that and I'm in that flow or I've, I've produced something and I'm just, I'm seeing all these things in, in my head and it's just fun to be in there to see the things that I'm describing and the things that, that have pulled out and knowing that 
you know, it's there and, and it's, it's full and, and these things are kind of alive. It's a way for me to, uh, experience a mm. release from everything else. It's kind of like when you read good fiction and you're, you're really into it and you're like, wow, you look up and you, you, you haven't, you, you've been involved in this world and, and things aren't so bad around you for a little while. You know, and you're getting, you know, an, an escapism. Yeah, which I mean, inherently escapism, as it's discussed, is a bad thing. But frankly, especially, say, I don't know, during a global pandemic, uh, maybe sometimes it's okay to get a little escape, to get a little break, to not have your face mashed up against everything else all the time, constantly. You know, it's valuable. And it's kind of neat with the writing thing because it's like, yeah, I, I, you know, being lost in someone else's story is one thing, being lost in your own story and having that. Um, authority as what you know and ability on top of the peace and chosen isolation is is really 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 something yeah yeah and the feeling of something coming through you yeah it's all it's all incredibly valuable like who if you could just like press a button and feel that who wouldn't yeah it came home to me too when i was reading the introduction to a series of stories written by david drake and i'm probably going to butcher the title i think it's pronounced vetius or it's about a Roman soldier, and it's a series of, of stories that, that he put together in a book. And his experience, he went, I guess he went to Vietnam, and he was talking about people taking some of these paperbacks, you know, the old Lancer paperbacks and things like that, and having them with them when they were out, you know, on their tour. And just even though it was somebody doing sword and sorcery or doing something, it was an escape to a different world that, and that brought it to a, a different level. It was a moment when they didn't have to worry about all that other stuff that was going on around them. And that really spoke to me too, because that's kind of where I, I come from when I, when I talk about the flow and that disconnection of just everything else and things just seem, you're one, right? For me, I cease to be this separate consciousness and I become one with whatever else is going on and that's when the writing is I'm not struggling with with the writing or struggling with the editor in the, the back of my head I'm just letting letting things mm -hmm. things go it allows you to just not have to deal with that and there's this oneness that comes up kind of like you know if you do meditation sometimes you you get to that point where your mind just quiets and you and then all of a sudden your mind comes <laughs> back and you think to yourself where was I well I wasn't anywhere but I was part of everything at the same time. And to me, that's um, a, a, just a great place to be in. Absolutely. You know, I, I'm curious if this is something you felt. For me, a big part of the pleasure of writing and the way it's really benefited me is uh, talking about that oneness, that connect, connection with the world, but also that feeling of getting into the heads of people other than yourself. You know, that's such a huge part of writing and reading to me is um, the generation of ideally <laughs> empathy. Now, of course, uh, that doesn't mean that I've never been a jerk, uh, that I'm some sort of you know Buddha figure over here. A writer would be a, an asshole. Who ever heard of that? <laughs> J.K. Rowling yeah. has entered the chat. Anyway, yeah. uh, but you know. <laughs> yes, nice. But nice. Um, nonetheless, nonetheless, I, I do feel that I am more, to the best of my abilities, am more frequently considerate of others or more frequently will later, maybe after uh, an interaction that wasn't so great, We'll be able to look back on it and go, okay, okay, stop being annoyed and actually think about like, what are their motivations? What did they want? What was stopping them? Oh, that was me. Okay. All right. What could I have done better? What, what did I want? You know, it's just these very writerly, writerly questions you might have about your characters in a scene because you want to portray people who feel like people and not little like chess pieces being moved around by the plot, let's say. Right. You know, I think, I think that's something like to sort of adjacent to that oneness you described, that feeling of better connecting with 
you know, your fellow humanity. Such a such a great thing. And I mean, it sounds very hoi polloi. I mean, also you get to write about robots and dinosaurs if that's your jam. Like, I mean, there's <laughs> there's there's simpler pleasures as well. But yeah, right. Anyway, I'm kind of talking all around the houses here. Sorry, I just newsflash. I love writing. Anyway, <laughs> I'm talking about it. Yeah. Well, I mean. It's the only activity where you are actually really melded with somebody else. You're actually in that the writer's head and the writer's mm -hmm. in your head. And that's a very intimate connection. You may be in a completely different world, but you are the writer is talking directly to you and the reader is taking the writer. So it's this interaction, even though the writer may not be present or neither one of them are present, really. But you're inside their head and they're inside yours. And it's it's a and I thought a lot about uh, because of just thinking about writing and think and reading some things that other better writers have said, uh, authors have said about the act of, of writing. And it's this very intimate connection that you don't get anywhere else, I don't think. Not easily. I mean, it's one of the closer things we have to telepathy. Yeah. Yeah. And like that intimacy is both a pleasure and a reward, depending on, you know, reading and writing or both or whatever you're doing. But also that can play back into the anxiety because if you are sharing something very core of yourself, then that is probably improving your writing by making it feel more real. But it is also sharing something very core of yourself. Right. And <laughs> right. Uh, so my next question, did your earliest experiences with writing anxiety come around at the same time you decided creative writing was important to you? Or did they take some time to manifest? Yeah, they probably manifested later. Now that I think about it and look back on it, I I think I've told you sort of kind of this story prior to us talking here on the Whetstone Discord. I really, when I think about that, I, I go back to a certain point in time when I was in college and I was in a seminar with the poet in residence there at um, Michigan State University where I, I attended. And there was just a group of us sitting around and we produced poems. That's what that's what we were doing. And at that time, I, I that was what I wanted to be. I was like, I am a poet and I'm going to, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a poet. And writing these poems, and I remember this in particular, this will never this will be burned in my head too. I was asked to write a a poem about a, a, a Greek myth. Uh, this particular poet decided that mythology was good. You have to have a personal mythology. Their mythology, they liked Greek mythology. I picked Greek mythology. And this is probably very telling of sword and sorcery too in, in that kind of how I go back to it. But I picked the myth of the rape of Persephone, right? Hades in the underworld looks and says, okay, the daughter of Demeter, and I'm going to, you know, I want her, so I'm going to go up and I'm going to grab her and take her down into the underworld with me. So I wrote this poem on this and um, just trying to imagine from the standpoint of Hades, you know, what I was, what I was thinking, what I was going to do and, and all that. And that, <laughs> that did not go well for me. First of all, I don't think that she, I, I, she, she thought that I probably I was accused of of having these kind of you know deviant fantasies and things, and and that that wasn't it at all. I was trying to imagine what was going on, and and the way that uh, I was savaged about that, about purple prose and 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 things, and the way I saw that she attacked other people, I started getting really anxious. And I mentioned to you in our chats that that was probably the biggest reason why I walked away from things. I just, I said, well, I'm not going to expose myself anymore to that. And so I walked away from it. It is frustrating as hell when people conflate, especially people who should know better, like a writing teacher, uh, conflate 
trying to understand how someone works, whether it's a character or a person in life, and empathizing with or being the same as that person. Right. These are, you know, correlation and causation is not adding up here. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just like when people sometimes will ask horror writers, like, how did you write that vicious murder? Do you think about stabbing people a lot? I was like, no, yeah. <laughs> probably not. I mean, outside of work reasons, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, oh, that's rough, man. And, and, um, Sorry, I know you've told me this, but I want to get it out there for the listener. When exactly was that? Were you, were like, uh, you were like 20-something? Yeah, I would have been 22, 21. It was certainly between 20 and 22, somewhere in that, that range at, at right, that right. point. It was probably near towards the end of my college time. So I graduated in 91, so probably right around... 89 to to 91 somewhere in there was it was a, a like a master's degree level course so it would have been towards the end of my career in my bachelor's degree okay and then yeah and that that was basically the inciting incident <laughs> writer talk uh that was the was that was the yeah. the thing that kind of kicked you out into the wilderness uh with writing for quite some time okay well I've, i'm gonna get more on like the journey from there to here in a minute but first i'd like to ask you how does your writing anxiety tend to manifest and what would you say triggers it? Yeah, I think it's that that editor that that comes up there. This isn't any good. This isn't, I'll struggle with a sentence. I'll get a great idea or what I think is a great idea and I'll sit down and I will peter out. You know, I won't be able to figure my way out of it. And so then it's like, this is no good. And I'll imagine people bouncing off of it and you know not liking it or thinking it's boring or that's usually how it manifests that you know I, it's a good old perfectionism perfectionism correct and and thinking that this is you know it's got to be absolutely perfect i probably you know imagine in some way shape or form that writing teacher maybe <laughs> over my shoulder you know thinking about that that's typically how it will manifest itself and is it uh, what triggers it? Like, how far do you normally get? Do you, you know, do you write like a paragraph and then you're like, ah, oh, Jesus? Or do you, or do you, are you still outlining? Or do you even get a whole draft and then look back over that draft? Like, or I guess it varies, I imagine, from work to work. But well, that that actually brings up a, a, a good point. Um, but usually, it's a paragraph in just to answer that part of part of the question. You mentioned outlining. And it, it could even just be one or two sentences. Because it's got to start as something feeling good, right? Like if you want to do it, you, you have that idea, you have that image. You know, oh, like, this yeah. is great. And then you start like expressing that through outlining or, or prose or both or whatever the heck, you're, however you're doing it. And then at some point it just goes and like takes that turn, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, typically. So let me, let me describe what happened. It just happened actually this morning. I woke up and sometime, it, you know, not off, not it's not uncommon, but it's not like every day I'll wake up and my brain may have already started or I may have dreamed. So I had this idea and my eyes are still gummed together. So I'm fumbling around for my, my glasses and I get my glasses on and I pull out this little notebook because I always keep a, a notebook or something mm -hmm. near me just to kind of jot something down if it comes to me. So even though Mr. Klinkenberg says, you know, if it's a good idea, it'll still be there. I'm like, uh, <laughs> not always. Well, I mean, I, I like that book a lot. I, I recommended it to you, but not everything in there applies to everybody. And yeah, I always have like a field notes right, uh, right. or something like that size kicking around uh, a little notebook. Uh, same, some of the same reason. Maybe. Yeah. Sorry, continue. Yeah. Yeah. And so having that that book and I actually took a page, I, though I'm not as, not as detailed as you about keeping the writer's journal, I, I do have one based on what I heard on your, on your show and I've been keeping that and it's been good for me. But 
uh, th- in this case, this morning, I did not have it. I had a little field notebook, like you're saying, uh, sitting there. So I grabbed that, wrote that, wrote a few, um, a few sentences down, the general image. Usually it's an image that comes to me, and usually the image has a character in it of some sort, somebody in there, something happening to it. Sometimes it's just a phrase. I heard a phrase the other day and I wrote it down because I was like, that sounds like a story somewhere in there. But it'll be, it'll be like that. Maybe a couple sentences will happen and I'll turn it over. And if I sit down and start to, to work on it, the anxiety might come up. Like I'll stumble, I'll stop at a certain point. I'm like, I, where is this going? I can't, this, this is not going to go anywhere. This is, this is terrible. It's a nice fragment. It's an image. I don't know where it, I don't know where it's going to, that's not going to work. That's usually how it happens. Now to the outlining thing that I was talking about, that was one of the major problems I had. I could not, when it, when it came to writing prose or a novel, I just, I, it, maybe it was nobody ever told me or because I was like, I'm a poet. I'm, <laughs> I don't need to outline. These images just come down uh, to me. It wasn't until I got involved in the Whetstone Discord and talking to you and looking at your method that I started really seriously thinking about outlining, which is what I think, well, actually, I don't even think. I absolutely 100% know that's why I actually submitted a story. Because you, to you felt uh, it was on firm enough ground because you did outlining. Beforehand. Because I, I, I did an outline. Yeah, I knew. And when it wasn't, it wasn't like A, B, C. It was, it was beats, right? That's outlining. You know, general beats. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and the constraint of the word count actually helped me do that because I actually figured a three-act structure and went through and said, okay, here's where I'm going to do in the opening, here's what I'm going to do in the middle, and here's what I'm doing at the end, and just beats in, in between there. Knowing the big full meat of it is in the, is in the second act, yeah, yeah. so to speak, and was able to come up with a couple beats, and those were just guideposts, and then I just let everything go from there. I need to remind myself how to do that. It's funny, the way the order of recording and releasing here, the episode hasn't come out yet in our timeline, but by the time this this thing we're doing is out, it will be out. Listeners, so sorry if you've, you've, you've listened to this, or maybe you've skipped ahead to this interview, but in the episode where I talk about Carry Me from Coltoom, which is the midpoint story of the novel, I get into how my outlining got uh, a little too detailed <laughs> and I needed to step back and sort of ask myself, I, I think about No Country for Old Men and Anton Churug and his line where it, I'm going to butcher it probably, but it's not to the effect of like, if the rule brought you to this point, then what good is the rule? <laughs> and I, and I had me and all my detail, yeah. you know, I've had other people listen to the show tell me like, man, your, your approach to the outline is super detailed, Oliver. And I'm like, yeah. And I had to step back and ask myself like, wait, hang on. <laughs> this is starting to become a, too much work is starting to hold me up it's starting to um get in the way of or at least prevent me from getting to it sooner uh the kind of natural discoveries you make when writing the actual draft so you know i guess my point is you can always swing too far in any way direction <laughs> right with what you're doing and it sounds like you found what worked for you because you wrote the dang story and set it in so you know and maybe the next story you'll want more or less detail right because i mean it, it can change from story to story but for this thing that worked well, that actually is, it brings, makes me, when you were saying that, it makes me think of another point. That's, that's anxiety for me right there. You to talk about being too detailed. I think some of the, the anxiety that I had in, in actually completing things is like, I cannot do an outline, uh, or it's not detailed enough, or, uh, I'll find myself, cause I've, I've taken that, you know, I, I completed the story. So I started, and I've read, like anybody else, I've read so many different methods and, you know, this snowflake method or this method or that method, all these different methods. And I find myself just consuming those things and never writing. Yeah. Because 
if I, if I could just get the magic bullet, if I could just get the magic I'll be, I'll just sit down and it'll come out. And it, there's a reason why writers say it's a lot of hard work. Because <laughs> it is. It's, it's a lot of hard work. But it's work that you are willing to do. And I think I, I, think I was probably just reading that in, in Klinkenberg. He was like, if it's work that you enjoy doing, you're going to do it. And in that, I found that to be so true in my real life. If it's something I like doing, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it, and you don't even need to pay me because I'll go do it. But pay writers, fucking pay writers. Sorry, Harlan Ellison's ghost came yeah, out of me for a second pay. there. Yeah, go on. <laughs> so yeah, I'll, I'll sit down there and and uh, you know do that. But I, what I found is my anxiety that it's not going to be good. It's not going to be perfect. I'll start doing beats, and I'm like, that's not enough. Mm-hmm. That's not enough beats. Or that beat, I'm, I, I get lost in the beat. I'm like, oh, where do I want to go here now? Or I'll think to myself. Well, that isn't realistic. How are we going to get from point A to point B? And then I'll just sit there and obsess about that isn't, you know, that person isn't going to go there. Well, that, that doesn't make any sense. And it prevents me from writing, actually sitting down and, and doing a damn draft because I'm too obsessed and anxiety ridden about the details instead of just writing it and then going back and saying, okay, what's the kernel there? What's the, what's the thing? What, what can I take out of that? And, even if it's something that I just throw away, it's probably going to spur another idea. I mean, this is Mike sitting here saying in his yeah. spiritually centered place right now, talking to Oliver, and you know, I can rationalize these things and feel good about them. This is not me when I'm sitting in front of the, the keyboard and staring at that and going, I have no idea. Or in my notebook going, this is crap. This I'll never be able to figure this out. Somebody's going to catch me lying to them and mm. or faking it, phoning it in. And I'm not going to be able to complete it. That's another huge anxiety. Right, good old imposter syndrome yeah. uh, that you mentioned to me before. Yeah. yeah. And, and actually, you know, um, if I may, uh, I can always cut this out if you would like me to do so. I am reminded of when you were at the other end with this story, when you were flying back from somewhere, I want to say Italy, and you were like, all right, I think I'm going to submit. Oh, maybe not, though. Maybe what I should do is write like another five stories, you know, build my body work, and and then I'll start submitting things. And, you know, me, where I am, it's easy for me to say this, but I said, you know, well, you get a body of work by submitting. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and those five stories or whatever that come after this current one will not be as strong because you will not have benefited from the experience of submission and the notes that I know uh, you'll get from Jason or, or um, shoot, is it Chuck? Um, I'm Chuck, Chuck, the or, Luke. At West Chuck or Luke, probably. Or, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So the point is, anyway, uh, listener, yeah, like it's, it's interesting to be on the other side and feel that creep up again. And, and my point mentioning it to you, Mike, because uh, you were there, you know what the hell I'm talking about is when you were at that point, was it this feeling of, and you wanted to like, ah, maybe I'll write five more stories and then, you know, submit something. Obviously, there was an anxiety over being judged, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But was it, how, was it also this feeling perhaps of like, wanting to flee to a safer place and the safer place of working on, you know, you were more comfortable with writing work. Great. Well, I'll write more work, but submission is now the new scary frontier. I'm going to go away from that back to the next, you know, the stage I'm currently at. Or like, how do you, know, how do you think? Like it was, or maybe it's something else entirely. I'm just guessing. Well, the anxiety there was, it, it, this goes back to that first post that I, that I sent, sent to you after listening to the initial show. And I was fanboying out <laughs> uh, <laughs> on that, but I, it goes back to, well, you know, I haven't practiced in so long. I haven't, I don't have enough practice under my belt. I haven't written enough words. And because I haven't written enough words, it's going to appear sophomoric. And uh, I need to edit it again. I need to rewrite it. 
And instead of just submitting the damn thing, I thought, I, I guess the, the anxiety was in, I wasn't on a plane. I was actually in Italy and I had brought it along with me because I, I knew the deadline was coming up. I knew the deadline was probably going to, I would get back just before the deadline and I'd be horribly jet lagged. So I was thinking to myself, I kind of want to submit this, but and then I started to see on the Discord that all these people start to submit, and I started to think. And some people I super respected, like Cora. I was like, ah, I can't do it. I, I I just you know I know these people, I know their work, and I super respect them, and they're they're these great writers. I can't. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do it. And I need to rewrite it. I need to get a body work. I need to practice. I need to read more. I, you know, I said that in that initial post, I'm so far behind. I'm climbing this mountain where I had all these different things in life going on. And I was looking at that story going and just looking at my sentences and going, that's garbage, that's garbage, that's garbage. It, you know, you, you can read something so many times and you just think you lose the ability to see it objectively anymore. And I was at that point. I, you, you wrote back, just, just submit it. And so I was on a train I was on the train, actually. I was on the train from Venice to Rome on the way to go back home. And I sat down. We have planes and trains and I see automobiles at some point in there. Yeah, well, <laughs> we, we drove, we drove, we were driving around too. So yeah, I got to the, I was on the auto before, I was on driving with that before. But anyway, on the train and I sat there and I, I just did an edit. I just said, you know what? I'm going to do an edit and I know it's not going to be a perfect edit because I'm, I'm kind of on holiday or at the end of the holiday, I'm tired, but I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to press send. And I press send on that train and... Uh, you know, put it down and just said, okay, uh, I'm going to do that. And I'm so glad you, you nudged me to do it because I probably wouldn't have done it. I was really not going to do it. I really wasn't, I really wasn't going to do it. I was like, you know what? I, I'm in the company of these people that are just incredible writers and, and they have, they've, they've read and they've been reading for years and they have all this experience and everything. I'm just going to do it. And I was unprepared for the anxiety of, and this is a this is a sword and sorcery short story. This is about a, a you know a, a character and there's there's violence and things going on and it's not even really me necessary. I mean it is me, but it's not like Mike saying, "Oh, you know, this is who I am and what I did, my story and me being just me as a person." <laughs> it's certainly not autobiographical. I hope not. Oh, you know, no, let's, let's let's hope that it is not. Uh, but <laughs> but it is me. And I was unprepared for that. I was unprepared for the anxiety of like, this is me. I I did this and I put it up for people to look at and make comments on. And that is, and I, as I'm talking to you about it right now, I actually physically feel anxiety. Oh, I'm sorry, man. No, 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 it's, no, it's, it's fine. I mean, I, I've learned to kind of like think about that. Like, well, I, you know, think about the various parts of my body that are, that are, you know, feeling anxious in, in why I'm doing that. It's part of, me thinking about me and being aware of uh, all that so that I can be a better human. Well, I'm really glad that you messaged me and I gave me the opportunity to say, like, do it. <laughs> um, because, A, I'm glad it led to you doing it. Uh, but also, this isn't about patting myself on the back or anything. It's just that, like, if we even broaden this out beyond writers, what you were telling me, it actually didn't make me think of a writing friend. It made me think of a, an actor I knew. Well, I still know him, but he's not an actor anymore who wanted to get his career going and he moved to Toronto and, you know, I was doing some filmmaking stuff at the time. I was, uh, you know, I introduced him to what people I could and did everything I could to help him. And things would come up where he'd be like, 
I, I would offer him free video editing services, which for anybody who's done that, that's a, that's a lot of manpower. Absolutely. <laughs> Not manpower. What am I saying? It's a lot of hours of labor yeah. doing video editing. And I was like, hey, man, I will cut you a reel, you know? Uh, two of the things of which were productions I'd invite him to be on, you know? Like, I was sorry, again, it sounds like I'm making it about me. I'm just saying I was really trying hard to support my buddy. And he was like, oh, well, I just got to do one more film. I'll do one more thing. I'll do one more thing to put out on my reel. You know, I'll do one more thing. And like the same thing. And he got headshots, but then he didn't give them to anybody, you know, because it was like, oh, I, I got to do more. I got to do more before I put myself out there. And I was hearing like when you were saying like, oh, I got to do like maybe a few more stories before I submit. I just my brain just like, you know, drew a dot from that back to me. So my buddy like, 10, you know, 10 odd years ago, whatever, having that conversation. And I just was like, oh, no, because that guy, the acting didn't go anywhere. And it wasn't because he didn't have talent. That was what was made it so frustrating. He was very talented. Uh, it's that he never found it in himself to realize that always trying to wait for one more thing means you'll always be waiting. And in which case, what's the difference between always waiting and just nothing happening? Right. There is not. Yeah. And so that's where I was coming from, uh, nudging you there. Uh, not, not for, I hope from, uh, I think you took it fine, but I, you know, there's always a little worry when you nudge someone hard where you're like, no, just do the thing that you might sound like you're being cruel to them or that you also worry that you are, um, expressing something of yourself you know there's always good old projection right maybe i was having trouble to do something and i was like it's easier to yell at some other guy to do a thing instead of me <laughs> yeah yeah so it's kind of funny because there was actually a little anxiety on that side of it so we're all a bunch of nervous little <laughs> you know monkeys who can drive and use computers now aren't we yeah but but it worked out so hey awesome yeah and, i mean yeah and you had mentioned mentorship and mm -hmm. i was thinking about that leading up to us talking this morning and how it's it's so so important to have people that uh, you know what just in good we talked about that that bad professor yeah. the teachers and mentors in your life really make make a difference and make and you can spin off and do go into different directions just based on that because we are those nervous little monkeys that are using computers and driving cars now and we have such ridiculous anxiety over things that, that that don't matter and it's that imposter syndrome well i can't produce this because this person has this encyclopedic knowledge of x y or z and they've read this whole they've i i gotta read seven more books by robert e howard before i can possibly you know do this or i've got to be able to um read all this this history and do all this research before i can start writing something um, that's based loosely on uh, some historical period or, yeah, I've got to do this, mm -hmm. this, and this, and this, and this. And it's because we are comparing our, ourselves to other people's outsides. You know, we have absolutely no, again, this is Mike being spiritually centered right today. And, yeah. you know, we, we compare ourselves to other people's outsides and their, their body work. We have no idea what happened. We have no idea. It just looks to us like today, they had they were able to do do all this stuff. They have no idea for all that work that went on that happened underground before you're all actually that work, all that support from other people. Right. You know, it's, it's it's cliche, but books are not written by one person. Absolutely, <laughs> they might literally be written by that one person. But there's editors, there's partners to support you, and so on and so on. Right, and there's this culture, and you know, I guess it's Western culture, and I'm including your country and my country is you know as part of the you know the kind of the thing. Even though here in the United States, everything is about being the United States, but the mm. there's this the mythology of the genius writer, the genius painter, the genius musician, the, you know, that that in there like you said, it isn't that at all. In order for a film to come out, the director has an, a a vision 
there's a writer that, that happens and unless the, the the director is the writer at the same time but they take the work so the writer or whoever it is pushes that then the director takes that and then it goes the actors are contributors into interpreting what the writer put down so they're breathing life into that and then it gets to the editing room and then you have like you were saying you have somebody that's putting hours and hours and hours of work and trying to pace things and make things you know so there's this whole thing but when it comes to you know the the work coming out we talk about the director we don't talk about the writer we don't talk about yeah, well the, this is where i i'm going to stop myself from uncorking a whole rant about <laughs> the uh, auteur theory uh yeah. new wave or whatever but even outside of the creative stuff right like anyone who's listening to this that was Truffaut's fault by the way it <laughs> was Truffaut's fault for auteur yeah 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 anyway <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like pushing that down right now. Uh, but also, I think this is very relevant to worlds outside of creative output. You know, anyone who might still be listening this deep into the episode who doesn't write, uh, first of all, thank you. Second of all, it's worth considering the myth of the self-made man. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing. Every single one of those guys, there were people that are like, oh, you know, Bill Gates started this out of his garage. Well, you know, there was a six-figure loan from his mom, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, you know, just every single, every single one of those guys. Uh, and sadly, they're all guys. There's a whole story beneath them. But what kills me about the self-made man routine also is when we're talking about business, they run companies. What's a company? Is it by definition, it's more than one freaking person? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's just how myopic, <laughs> like the one person creates things thing is. No such thing. Even if a person just goes to a field and silently on their own whittles a flute, let's say. Who taught them? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who are they going to show it to later? <laughs> There's no such thing. So it's, it's, and it's worth remembering when you're trying to write and you're maybe having trouble. And this is part of why, you know, come back to what you're saying about like, you know, finding community is so important. And I, we both kind of agreed, neither of us can really remember, unfortunately. <laughs> but do you remember what brought you to the Whetstone Discord, which, if I understand correctly, does seem to have been an important uh, writing community for you? This is, I think you actually described it on one of your shows as, as being a literary salon. I think you might have been talking to Jason when you, when you talked about That was about uh, Jason Ray Carney yeah. deserves credit. We, yeah. we, we discussed the idea, but yes, the yeah. literary salon. The literary yeah. salon, and that's exact, exactly what it, what it is. You talk about the Lovecraft circle or any of that, that sort of thing there. That's the way I kind of see the Whetstone Discord. I mean, it, it's part geek out, but it's a lot of people supporting a lot of other people and, and just saying, hey, would you mind taking a look at this? And somebody will grab it and take a look at it and you know discuss things. And getting to the Whetstone's Discord, we had talked prior to actually hitting the record button. It was being involved in a lot of role-playing games, again, coming back to that and getting involved in writing for the the role-playing games and and then being a little dissatisfied with some of the stuff that was going on there. And just always in my life, it's always returning back to, I've got to put something out. I don't know why, but I feel like I've got to tell a story, tell stories of some sort. Mm -hmm. That's just hardwired into me. When I do teaching, because I I teach tech stuff, and when I do teaching, I'm always trying to tell stories. That's just how I am, and I can be I can bore the crap out of people because I've always got some story to tell. I, I think sometimes, well, that's, again, that's me being anxious and imposter. I'm like, uh, uh, there you go, yeah, 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 yeah. Self-deprecation. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, this gets me to a question I've been taking too long to get to, which you know, in your first direct message to me on the Western Discord, among other things, you said, having recently finally had enough of telling myself for 30 years that I was going to write, I finally started to really try what do you think made the difference after that all that time what do you think helped you cross this threshold that's a really interesting question i think that i felt safe in the whetstone disc discord i know you said you had some anxiety about giving me advice but i know where 
it comes from. And that, I think that's because I, I've, I've heard your humanity come through on your podcast and, you know, in, in the observations of how you've talked on Discord, I've heard that. So I felt safe talking to you about it. And when I look at the Whetstone Discord and I look at the purpose of it and I look at what, what people are talking about, and we talked about me going away from social media because of some of the bizarre things that were going on. Too much. <laughs> bizarre thing going much, on yeah. there. And it isn't that way at all in Whetstone. I, I think Chuck, he, he's one of the, the mods there. And he was, we, I think we were on one of those gathers, like the last gather they did. And he had said, you know, I haven't had to do any moderation, really any moderation on here because people are just awesome. And that's, I think that's what it, what it really is. It's just, I felt safe. I started looking around. I started looking what pe people were putting out there about themselves and, and saying and being true and, and just saying, you know, this is what I'm doing. And we all love this and it's okay, you know, to go ahead and try. And I think that's where I, I just, that's what came out of it. And I'm so appreciative that it's there and being able to be safe to do it is really what led me to say, look, I, I'm going to try. I'm going to try and I've had enough of editing myself. I mean, of course I haven't, but uh Yeah, I know you I know what you mean, right? Yeah. There's there's all these things where you want to make a definitive statement and then you think about it for a second, like, okay, it's not so much reaching a final point, it's more about adjusting my settings a bit. <laughs> right. So I can get to like a better median point, maybe. It's about acceptance. Acceptance of yeah. where I am. And I know that, you know, I, I reread that post that I, I sent to you initially and I tend to be really self-deprecating anyway, but reading that, I'm like, you know, you weren't accepting of where you are. And this is what something that I, I continually struggle with. I, it comes back to the anxiety of, of writing is accept where you are at that point and just write to that. And if you produce anything that isn't worth anything, if it matters to you, this goes back to a, a question that you had posed to me, what would I tell somebody if I hadn't? You know, getting before I got to the, the Whetstone Discord and okay, so yeah, so let me let me put that question for the listener. Uh, if you, uh, so, this is going to be my big wrap up question. Sorry, I ruined I, the whole interview. <laughs> That's it. All the all the anxiety is justified. It's fine, whatever. Uh, my my question was was uh, precisely if you were to meet someone today who was feeling about writing the same way you did a year ago when you were still stuck, what would you say to them? And my answer to that, as I started to, to say, and I, I sorry, I jumped the gun on you there. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it just happened to organically in my head. The, How dare you? Go on. Yeah. The, my advice would be, you know, it, this is something that I would probably tell people that, you know, I, I work with, accept where you are, right, right to where you are, be okay with what you're, you're doing because it's all right. If it's something that you want to do, if it's something that you keep calling, getting called back to, there is a reason for that. It's a fundamental part of you and you should, don't listen to that other thing in there. Just do it for you because I wasn't doing it for me. I was doing it, like I was saying, I had those demons in my head that were saying, I need approval. I need people to like me. I need, I need to be perfect. And that's all because I have the problem with the self-esteem. And we all do. And you forget that, right? You forget that, that everybody is coming from that same place. Even people that are, you know, outstanding writers. I'm sure Stephen King has a, has some anxiety when he, when he goes, will this, will this novel be okay? Will they, they like me as they, much as they like me before? It, it, we just changed the different tape that we're running in the head, which is really just a repetition of the old tape. Mm. And I would say, just do it to echo Oliver <laughs> telling me on a train. Just submit it. You're never going to get to that point where you have all this stuff that you're going to do. 
I really started to think about it after, you know, looking at Klinkenberg's book. It's a process. It's a process of discovery. And when I read those lines in that book, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, when I read those lines in that book, it, it comes back to this advice. If I had thought about this before, if it's a process of discovering myself and, and growing and, you know, putting that out there and learning what each of the sentences mean and what I mean when I, when I write that and, and, and understanding myself and developing how I think and how I feel and how I put it out there and, and just being a better person when I'm doing it, a better human, then that in itself is worth the work. And if we're not doing that, at least for me, if I'm not doing that, if I'm not moving forward and trying to, to get better, then, then I'm dying. And it was at that point where I said, you know, I've had enough of being frustrated with it. I had enough of, I got to do it for X, Y, Z. I, if I don't do this, if I don't explore this now, I never will. And I will be on my deathbed saying, why didn't I do it? Yeah. And you know what I, what I hear underneath all of that, if I can uh, collaborate with you for a second, sure. Uh, it's something I definitely have told myself more than once when I've been in a hard place. And uh, it doesn't always work because there's no silver bullet. That's the other thing you got to realize. Some, uh, all the advice in the world, some days you're going to be able to hear it, some days you're not. But uh, is, is it's kind of like you turn to yourself and we're like, well, okay, well, what do I really care about? Do I care about being anxious? Does being anxious like get me something I want? Does right. it make me feel good? Well, no, by definition, you know, and you, so you're like, okay, well, what really matters to me? Yeah. And you, you found that and you grabbed onto it. And I think that's, that's what you have to do, whatever the sort of surface level issue is, uh, whatever specific anxiety, whatever specific issue, maybe something adjacent to anxiety, but something else, if it's internal anyway, at some point you have to look inward and be like, well, what really matters to me? And it's the writing. Yeah. And so you got to do it if you're going to do it. And you you can't, you have to, it's, it's kind of like that old saying about how for someone to be helped, they have to decide that, that they're ready to be helped. They have to let other people help them. Yeah. If they don't do that, then nothing else matters because nothing will penetrate that sort of wall of not wanting to be helped. And yet you have to kind of be both sides in that equation for something like this. And it feels to me like you said to yourself, I'm ready to like help myself. Yeah. Does that make any sense? No, like, it, or, or my dad? No, no, no. You're absolutely right. I mean, um, it's called the gift of dis desperation, right? You have to be <laughs> broken enough to say, I don't know what to do and I need help. And once you get to that point, then you can build yourself back up. And I don't know what it is about human beings, at least partic this particular human being. I have to get a two by four to my head all the time in order for myself to make it, make a change. I get complacent or I just get, I, I invent reasons not to do something or I get anxiety about it. Like I'll have anxiety, like I haven't written anything in a couple of days. I'm behind. I'm, uh, I'm not going to write because it's going to be crap anyway. And why bother? And the point of that is it, that's just your anxiety and your, your whatever talking in the, your demon talking in the back of your head. And it's enough just to, what you have to do is just say, okay, like you said, does this really matter to me? If it does, then it doesn't matter how long it takes. Just yeah. do it and go down the road and get, because you're going, because if it's part of you and it's something that's really driving you, just that journey is worth it altogether to make you whatever you are. All the rest of this crap drops away. All the things that we distract ourselves with drop away. And, and at the end of the day, it goes back to those relationships like you were talking about, the mentorship, how we just carried each other. 
And yeah, I mean, find community, paying yeah. it forward is what I'm always trying yeah. to think of. Uh, you know, when I when I read somebody else's thing or whatever, I just feel like I'm I'm paying forward all the the help that people have given me and have helped me. So that you know, it's funny. I don't have I don't know where it stopped, but somewhere along the line, I kind of just stopped feeling anxious about creative writing, which is a very lovely thing for me to say on this episode, isn't it? Like I'm perfect. I solved it. I'm great. Well, a obviously there are points where I must feel that I'm forgetting, but the uh, but the default for me seems to be that if I have the time and energy, I can always crank something out writing wise however if i have to write a cover letter for a job application or a put together something for like a school program or something like that sweet mother of god everything just breaks and i am the i'm the opposite <laughs> yeah it is the hardest thing in the world for me and so it's kind of funny how that can happen where like i know all the lessons that allow me to do creative writing and feel pretty good about it nine times out of 10, you know, as long as I have the, have the time and energy, like I say, which actually gives you to the other issue sometimes of having to be okay with yourself and be like, you know what, actually I am exhausted and it's fine if I don't write something today. <laughs> yeah. The write, the write something every day or you're not a real writer thing is bullshit. Um, anyway, well, that's my point, Oliver. Uh, <laughs> I guess my point is everything you're saying applies. And I, I just hope also that anyone hearing this who maybe is, uh, unable to write for external reasons of uh, exhaustion or illness or whatever, please also remember that it is important to know when you don't have the resources, uh, mental and physical, to do something, and that's okay mm -hmm. too. Right? Absolutely. I just feel so much of, of all this, this stuff we talk about, uh, like I said sort of uh, earlier, it, it's not about finding one definitive point and then struggling to stay at that one place forever. It's knowing that you're kind of going to swing back and forth between two poles. Some days you're not going to have it in you to write. Some days you are. And you just got to try and navigate so that there's more days that you can, you know, do what you do, what you can craft things yeah. and be cool with yourself when the days don't work out. All right. I got a couple of quick questions and then we're going to be done. The story, the red hand yeah. is the name of your story. Right. How long was the road from your first idea for it through to submission? Like rough approximate timeline. Um, approximate timeline would probably two to three months, maybe something like that. When I had the initial idea, there was a bunch of other ideas that came prior to that, that eventually that one is the one that, that, that came out and well, I'll, you know, I'm not going to discuss the, the actual, what was the, the inspiration for that. There was a number of diff different inspirations for that. I don't, I don't really know why that one coalesced, but it, it, it did. The outline came. Was it just the strongest feeling. Were you, were you just kind of falling like a da water dowser, you know, like this story. Yeah. Uh, pulls me the, well, the hardest. Yeah. Uh, I was watching a masterclass with James Patterson and he was talking about keeping a, you know, he had a notebook and, you know, he would just, when it was come time to write a new, a new book, he just goes through and he, he looks at whatever idea seems to stick. That's what this one was the one that stuck. This is the one that the outline came, the, the three act structure came perfectly well not perfectly but it came it came to where i'm like i could actually write this one because i'd stopped and started a, a number of uh other different stories that just kind of petered out even though i tried to tell them this is the one that that seemed to work nice and what do you like most about the red hand what do you feel are your strengths as a writer no self-deprecation allowed i will no press a large air horn button if i hear any no. <laughs> <laughs> i think the the thing that I liked the most about that story is the 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 atmosphere that I was trying to invoke in the story. It's very much a story about vengeance and about screaming into the void there. And I think that what I like about that, and when I'm I'm, I'm thinking about that, is just some of the imagery too that I, I pulled out from my brain and, and put in there. I tried to well, 
very much to, to be poetic on it. There's not a whole lot of dialogue. There's like three lines of dialogue in that story. I liked that. Yeah. I thought that was a strength, man. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people drown their early stories in dialogue. Yeah, I, I consciously tried to, and it's probably in the note that you have somewhere, I tried very much to make it like you were watching a movie. And to me, that, that experiment on there was something I really enjoyed trying to, to get across. And remember, I'm not asking what do you think was perfect. Now, let's forget that word. But what do you feel, at least in this story, are your strengths as a writer? Did you feel better about your pacing, your rhythm, your, that bit of dialogue that you had, or your imagery? What was something that within that, what facet of it really felt like, yeah, I, this feels good? I know I got stuck in the middle part, so a, a little bit. I think I really liked the imagery the most. Because that's what, that's what it all started out with. It all started out with the central character, in particular, one facet of that central character. And where I imagine was it's towards the climax of the story where the central character is just screaming. And that was the central image that really started everything off. And then pieces of it started to come another way. And so that particular image is something that I really, really enjoyed. I, when I think about that story, that's the image I think about. And you feel the way you expressed that image and other imagery in it yeah. was strong. Yeah. Because I would be inclined to agree, frankly. Yeah, that that yeah. That, that, that to me was the <laughs> yeah. strongest part of the, the story, the, the part that I enjoyed the most. Because there's something about that particular image that, that really, I can actually physically, I was talking about physically feeling things. I physically feel that hook in me when I think about that that particular scene. Well, we'll talk more about it off mic, but I think I told you there was one part uh, about midway, actually, that kind of made me snap my head back from the page yeah. and have a little like, holy shit, yeah. <laughs> reaction. And yeah, it was it was some of your imagery, man. You, you really paint a vivid picture. And I look forward to uh, more of those pictures. Okay, so normally when I wrap things up, I ask the guests to state the address for their author website, stuff like that. But you're not there yet. And you have been very wise uh, in some way respects, I would say, by pulling back from social media. So instead... I'm thinking, you know, you've, we've both been discussing several short sentences about writing, mm -hmm, which right. I think it's fair to say both of us give a big thumbs up to. Uh, and listener, if you want to check that out, I think it's great. I, I recommended it to Mike in part because I felt it really helped declutter one's mind and kind of remind you of really core things about writing that you almost certainly already know. It's that kind of thing. And I just, I love that. Really, real breath of fresh air. So what I'm thinking is, how about you recommend an online writing resource you've gotten a lot out of? that you think people should check out? Something people don't have to have any money, just internet access, you know? Hmm. Well, get involved in the Whetstone Discord if you can do that. Yeah. That's absolutely something that you need to do. I'm not being pandering a little bit, maybe. No, no. I, no. So. <laughs> I feel the same way. Yeah. I've gotten a lot out of it. Yeah, take my story, <laughs> will you, Jason? No. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I see yeah, what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I sincerely mean that. There's just so, so much to get out of that that Discord. Just so, just different channels. You can geek out. Like I said, you can get writing advice and, and do things. So definitely, if you, you haven't stumbled on that, it's... Uh, and not just sword and sorcery. I mean, that is yeah. its main bread and butter in terms of the genres we discuss and fantasy but like horror comes up adventure fiction has got quite a bit of like indiana jones type stuff gets a lot of discussion oh, yeah. i just think in general if you like genre fiction it's it's a good place to hang yeah out. definitely uh, so yeah definitely a lot of a good pulp the other thing i really like about pulp is, is you can do whatever you want and you can be horrible it can be great it could be whatever and it's still a lot of fun to you know work through and you know figure out what you want to do uh, and that's yeah. kind of what is really good for me is just trying to figure out what I'm doing. I mean, I'm trying to think of other writing things that I have. Uh, Blackgate is another good place that I found a lot of good stuff on 
and the Silver Key, mm-hmm. Brian Brian Murphy's website yeah, as well. Yeah, Sir yeah. Sorcerer Blog. Howard Andrew Jones. That one, in mm-hmm. you know, in particular, I respect the hell out of uh, Howard, and I'm so glad that, that I took his class because this is another thing that uh, Oliver has pointed me to. So many things that I've spent tons of money on because of Oliver. All these books. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, it's all it's all good. I'm, I'm looking at it actually. Imagine there's this new solid gold writing book you should check out. Yeah. By the way, yeah. <laughs> I'm lo- I'm looking at. Uh, Imaginary Cities is over, over the corner there that uh, another one that uh, Oliver pointed out. He's, he's got just some fantastic things to put on your Tubi Red Pile. But Howard Andrew Jones, uh, his blog has a lot of free writing advice. And, you know, Howard is not only is he an amazing writer, but he is a fantastic teacher, too. And I was, I was alluding to a class that Oliver talked about that I went and I, I took on his class on writing heroic fiction. And... I mean, it was only like a couple hours, but probably the most, and I didn't spend a whole lot of money. I think it was like $50 US. It was pretty reasonable. Pretty reasonable, but it was probably the most I'd ever gotten out of any writing course that I'd ever done. And I don't know why, I don't exactly 100% know why uh, it was other than we really dug into those little paragraphs, those little things that he put out there. And and I think it was his passion and everything too. I also think of... Good. On his writing site, by the way, I just want to stress anyone listening who's thinking, well, I don't write heroic fantasy. Again, that is clearly Howard's jam. Yeah. However, his writing advice can apply outside that genre. Absolutely. I think like most of the best writing advice, like genre is the icing on the cake. It's not the cake. Yeah. And Howard's well read across a, a wide spectrum of things. And he actually advocates that. I mean, the heroic writing class, he had things that were in the excerpts that we were studying that were detective fiction. And the really well written detective fiction, and you know Howard, you know he he comes from a, a widely read area too, and and that was another piece of advice I, I I took is like read everything, everything because you don't know when it's going to come into you know it's going to come or into even your... if read everything sounds intimidating because <laughs> that comes back to what was yeah, something exactly. we were talking about earlier right like oh I got to read like seven hundred books and then I can write a story no. read broadly that's that's, that's a better better way to state it read broadly. Um, there we go. I yeah. just edited you. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. That's <laughs> that that's nice. what I meant. That's exactly what I meant. See? <laughs> that's what you need a good well, there mentor. You go. It's also much easier to edit someone else than yourself. Let's be real here, yeah. right? But uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So yeah, I'll, I'll link uh, to those things in the show notes, uh, listeners. That's easy to click on. Yeah. As of this recording on April 16th, 2022, we do not yet know if The Red Hand has been accepted or rejected by Whetstone Magazine. But I would say whether it gets in or it gets sent back with some thoughtful notes, something again, I, I know the Western boys are good about. You have had a victory. Absolutely no argument. All right. I look forward to reading your second writing submission whenever that happens. Yeah. Until then, thanks again for coming on the show to discuss all this. I really appreciated it. Yeah. Thanks a lot for having me on, Oliver. And thanks a lot for being just an awesome person. It's, it's really helped uh, me a lot. I do my best. Thanks, man. So I'm Writing a Novel features original music by Gloria Guns and is hosted by yours truly, Oliver Brackenbury. If you'd like to submit a question, then please email it to so I'm writing a novel at gmail.com. Bonus points if you record yourself and send me an MP3 I can cut into the show. Doesn't have to be fancy, using your phone is fine. Just keep it clear and concise. You can also holler at the show on Twitter. Look for at so underscore writing. That's at so writing. Please consider sharing the show with anybody who might like it, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, and checking out patreon.com slash so I'm writing a novel. 
Patrons get to be thanked in the final novel, listen to episodes of the podcast a week early, and even enjoy a bonus podcast called So I Wrote a Novel, where I read and comment on chapters of previous works, starting with my first novel, Junkyard Leopard. Thanks for hanging out with me and Mike, and I'll see you soon.